Welcome to episode 39 of the Listening Brain Podcast. Welcome to the Listening Brain. I'm your host, Todd Houston. In this podcast, we explore childhood hearing loss through the lives of the parents and families who are on this journey and the professionals who serve them. Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. It is my pleasure to introduce Jamie Vernon. Born in a small town of Summit Station, Ohio, east of Columbus, Jamie Vernon will make you laugh, cry, and feel like getting out and making a difference. She is the founder and executive director of Songs for Sound, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that she started in 2011. Jamie is the mother of two teenagers. Jacob, 17, is a normal hearing child. And Lexi, 14, who is profoundly deaf and has bilateral cochlear implants. Jamie is a coach a missionary, a public speaker, a motivator, and lives life to inspire others into action in their corner of the world. Jamie has turned her daughter's gaps in hearing health care into a movement. Jamie was heartbroken at the thought that, like Lexi, people could go without the beautiful sounds life has to offer, including music and because of bad information or lack of understanding about where to get help for, the, for hearing loss. Jamie believes every human being on the planet deserves the right to hear, yet most people lack understanding, awareness, or access to get help. Songs for Sound has a mobile health outreach project that has toured 35-plus states countless cities and communities, and provided over 31,000 people free hearing screenings, information, and greater awareness. They've hosted over 900 free hearing health events and have over 700 community partner organizations and businesses. Songs for Sound started its international business model in Jamaica in 2014 and will continue its work helping to build a model for hearing health care systems in developing nations by returning this fall to work with the Jamaican government to establish early intervention strategies and testing, awareness, and increase interest in hearing and speech careers. Songs for Sound also hosts an annual Hear the Music Kids Camp each year for families with children with hearing loss. Jamie believes in the following pillars and approach. 
outreach and awareness, care team support, which is a team of people who nurture and help families navigate the hearing journey, and HOPE programs, which are programs to help people of all ages to live sustainably and thrive with hearing technology. Jamie is passionate about helping people feel great about themselves and living their best lives. Simply put, Jamie wants to change the world and believes God has called her to help those living with untreated hearing loss to receive a gift and the miracle of hearing. So, it is my pleasure to welcome Jamie Vernon to the podcast. Well, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for doing this today. If you don't mind, let's start at the beginning. Your daughter, Lexi, was diagnosed with a hearing loss. And let's talk about that experience. Well, <clears throat> like uh, many stories, sadly, um, you know, that, that we hear that we think still doesn't happen. Um, you know, Lexi's 14 now, but uh, when she was born, she had a typical birth. Uh, we knew very little about hearing health, hearing loss, other than my grandfather, who worked in the coal mines that um, had hearing aids. Um, she, uh, everything seemed okay. I knew nothing about getting a hearing test at the hospital. The hospital routinely did them. Um, mm -hmm. It was not, the law had not passed six months after Claire's law passed here in Tennessee, Claire per year and, and her great family. Um, and so we leave the hospital feeling great, not knowing she had not been given the hearing test. She actually was just skipped that day was the way that the doctor, the pediatrician described it. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so we leave, we think everything's fine. We go in at, um, for a checkup and it was around 10 weeks. He noticed that that had not been completed. So um, he said, let's go back, you know, let's go and get that test done at Vanderbilt. Well, um, you know, we, we are, Vanderbilt is our home. It is an amazing place. A grad student actually administered that hearing test. And, um, and so we were, um, told that day that she did not pass, um, that hearing test, that screening, and that, um, we should come back in six to nine months but they thought she was fine. They thought it was because she was fussy and we should not worry and things like that. So six to nine months was really kind of the, the big mishap that day, because as mm -hmm. I have learned, it should be two to four weeks. Um, so we leave feeling great. Um, life goes on and around, uh, you know, my now ex-husband, but um, one of my dear, dear friends, uh, Kevin, he uh, oddly um, for 10 years um, or ironically, maybe is a better word for 10 years prior to moving to Nashville, um, he actually worked with physically and mentally handicapped adults. And so his awareness was greater for what was going on than mine. Obviously I'm just busy mom, you know, working, mm -hmm. trying to keep up with life. And he noticed that she was not responding to loud noises first. Um, then we noticed that when she was making some sounds, they, they sounded like she couldn't hear herself. She did not produce any words. She's a second child. And if you know, Lexi, she has a lot to say. Mm -hmm. So even back then I could tell this child does have, and so I started observing and I realized he's correct. hundred percent correct. Um, so fast forward, we go back to pediatrician. This has been about six or nine months, closer to nine months. And he says, um, Okay. And I'm like, Hey, they want us to come back. Let's go back. Let's get all this checked off the list. And the research I had done on the web told me probably fluid, you know, probably maybe a mild hearing loss, but at worst, like worst case scenario. But I'm thinking this kid needs tubes. Mm -hmm. So fast forward that trip, pediatrician right around a year, a little after a year says, Hey, 
Um, I'm sitting there in his office in Green Hills, which is a very wealthy zip code. Okay. So this is, we should have some really good, really good access to healthcare here. Mm-hmm. And so he looks at me and he says, well, she heard the noise in the hallway. And I said, I didn't hear a noise in the hallway and that is not a hearing test. And, mm-hmm. um, and then he I said, well, she's not producing words and she's passed a year now. We should be babbling and making some sort of forming some sort of words, mama, dada, whatever, nothing. She's been very much mute. And he said, some kids don't talk until they're 18 months of age. So I say, that doesn't even sound right. She's a second child. And this kid <laughs> has something to say. I'm not leaving until you give me a referral. So finally, little tug of war happened. We did get the referral. Um, and right around 13 and a half months, we were back at our, at, again, at the, the, the best place, one of the best places in the world for cochlear implants and hearing technology and audiology Vanderbilt. And we sat in front of Kathy Hayes, who is an angel mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. earth. And she, I'm watching everything in the booth and I'm really not comprehending and the beeps getting louder and louder and louder. And, um, she comes out and she says, you know, I, I, I need you to hear me right now. And, um, she's going to be okay. But Lexi is deaf, profoundly deaf. She has a profound hearing loss. And, you know, it, I, as moms, we have about five seconds to figure things out. Um, (laughs) Sometimes 30, but at that moment I had about five seconds and I, all I could see was this, I have this picture in my head and it was a, a sketch of a school off in the distance. It was just black and white sketch, no leaves on the trees, nothing. And now after years after that, I realized what that was isolation for her. And I just saw her playing with like no one around. And, and I, so I collected my thoughts, tears welling up in my eyes. And I just looked at her and I said, okay, special schools, sign language. What do we got to do? We got this, we got this. Sure. Tells me about the cochlear implant. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. So not only do I find out my child is deaf, but there's a, what you can do what? So um, four months later, they were amazing. Four months later, um, Lexi was implanted by Dr. David Haynes. It was an incredible mm-hmm. experience. They fast tracked her. She was um, put, in, you know, we were um, um, enrolled in the Mamalier Hearing School immediately, even before cochlear implantation. She was put fit with hearing aids for some access and learning to wear something. Um, therapy, therapy, therapy. Uh, she was, we did it a little different. We did a modified approach. Her first year, we kept, she was in a pre K, doing really well. Um, without sound. Actually, I thought she was a baby genius because how great she was with the baby <laughs> son. <laughs> when I would right. do baby son, I'm like, she's a baby genius. Do you see her? And little <laughs> did I know she just wanted to eat more. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so um, so we did a modified approach where we kept her in a mainstream pre-K two days the first year and three days at Mama Lear because I kept thinking like a sports analogy, which I'm an ath- I was an athlete mm-hmm. and I've been a coach, is like, okay, she's Let's let's put her, let's give her practices and lessons right at mom Lear, and then let's put her in the game and use it around because mm-hmm. they kept saying we need a lot of input. We need Lexi to get a ton of input. So I'm like, no better input than mom Lear is amazing with the model, you know, with the, the, the peer models in the classroom and the deaf ed- education and learning to use your equipment. And that was all super critical for her. But then she would use it every other day. And, um, Lexi developed such coping skills for life that I see here. I can remember Dr. Lund, Emily Lund, as we all know, who was one of Lexi's amazing speech therapists still to this day. Um, she would say she would go and observe Lex because they, she was getting her PhD at Vanderbilt and they let her keep one patient and she was able to do some research. And that was Lex, thank God. Um, cause she's brilliant. And, um, she would watch her and she would say, you know, it's funny that when things get overwhelming with the typical preschool, Lex will 
pick her things up and kind of move out like her toys and kind of to collect herself, take a minute. And then she would reemerge and she would go back in and, and, and she does that to this day with friend groups, mean girls, all of the things that <laughs> teenage girls. So I find right. it fascinating just to touch on that, that some of the lessons that they learn, these, co- these, these children with hearing loss, hearing aids, cochlear implants, and these lives that they lead are so impressive from mm-hmm. even the littlest of like the ways that they manage and the, the things that they know how to overcome and their coping mechanisms are incredible. And I just find, I mean, you know, we'll talk about our kids camp and the work we do, but I'm just fascinated at the lives that they lead and how much they learn from the programs that are in place from great people like you, their speech therapists, their audiologists, the Vanderbilts and Mama Lears of the world, the pre-Ks that take these kids in and embrace them and um, the elementary schools and teachers that and staff that really truly embrace these kids as, you know, they're, they're as, as intelligent as everyone else around them. They just need a little help, you know, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, so that's, that's, that's her in a nutshell early on. She mainstreamed fully by pre-K. She's been at private school since since her final year pre-K, and she's at Brentwood Academy now, which is a rigorous academic athletic, a lot of rigor there um, here in Brentwood um, in Middle Tennessee, and mega athlete. Uh, right now, currently, she's ranked number six in the country um, for her grad class for pitchers. Um, we, we travel the country um, watching her just, just take her gifts that she has learned through all of this mm-hmm. and turn them into very powerful moments for her team. Um, she, she does not get bothered when things go wrong. She's very resilient. Um, she's had her batteries die on the mound and pitched brilliantly (laughs) to be honest. Um, and she said, I loved it. I didn't hear, I didn't have to hear you mom, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) so that's where she's at now. She's, uh, you know, uh, uh, she's, she's just, uh, she's happy. I can, I can, mm-hmm. you know, take away all the accolades and all the things because these kids do so many different things, but she is happy because she can communicate with her world and she loves her friends and she loves to laugh and she loves music. And, um, but the gaps that exist as we'll kind of segue once you're finished asking questions, the gaps that exist are still very real for, um, all ages. And mm-hmm. that, that broke my heart in, in big ways. So I'll stop there. Well, I wanted to touch on the softball situation because I think I was, uh, I seem to recall what a, a year or so ago, maybe, maybe sooner, uh, you had a, a, a little bit of an argument with another coach who uh, thought she was, you guys were cheating because you, you had an FM system. You know, you were able That's to right. talk, talk to her on the mound using some technology streaming to her implants. Um, so as a, as a mom, but also as someone who's advocating, how did you <laughs> handle this uh, person who didn't understand the situation? Well, it, that was, wow. And, and, you know, I remember blogging about that. Sometimes I blogged mm-hmm. to, just to save the memory. And sometimes I blog for awareness and sometimes I blog to get it off my chest so I don't lose it on people. I'm, as you know, I'm, you know, I'm so protective of these kids and mm-hmm. all of them and adults, all of them, whether it's an insurance denial or this, I am so protective, protective of them. It's what drives me. Um, so we're at a game. So this is a few years ago and she's pitching and she's killing it, just crushing it. And it's a tournament. Um, not quite the level she's at now, but it was um, in, in Jackson, Tennessee, actually. And um, she was just dominating. And mm-hmm. they noticed that the coach was using the mini mic. Um, she has Cochlear America's technology. And so we have the mini mic, and um, which is 
what's funny about this is that, okay, so if you go back into history, the whole, the way that pitchers received hand signals was actually invented and started for a deaf pitcher in mm-hmm. baseball. Sadly, right. Dummy was his nickname. I, I right. can't stand that, but um, Hoy, H-O-Y. And uh, it's my understanding it started with him him getting signals actually as a hitter from the coach on third, and then it translated to the catcher giving him signals to pitch. So, so hand signals, you know, have been widely used forever. Well, over the past, I don't know however, however many years I've watched softball, it's really evolved to a verbal command. So the coach, instead of not all coaches, but some coaches will just verbally give a number on the wristband to mm-hmm. cut out the all the translation from coach to catcher to pitcher. So they'll just sit there on a bucket and go one one two one one two. Well, both the catcher and the pitcher looks at the you know wristband and that's the pitch call. Mm-hmm. So for for her not to be able to receive a verbal command into a mini mic makes zero sense anyway. That's my point of this. So he was just able to communicate with her because at the time she was still learning to hear, learning to knock out the the background noises and things like that, localize all of that mm-hmm. as she will always. Um, and so this coach picked up on it and he started throwing a fit, but simply because she was striking all of his patterns out. It had nothing to do. <laughs> so next thing you know, he's coming up to the, the umpire and asking, calling timeout. Okay. Mind you, this little 10 year old, is on a mound, she's 10 or 11, is on a mound out there, not knowing what's going on, not having a clue at first that these adults are not only talking (laughs) about her, but they're pinpointing her disability. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she's out there on the mound, like what's going on? I'm, you know, what did I do wrong? And these adults are questioning her hearing technology to the point where not only did they ask for them not to use the mini mic and the empire, they asked, they asked them that she needs to remove her cochlear implants her processors and, and use sign language. Okay. Either way, whether it's spoken language or hands signal, she'll get the signal, right? It doesn't matter. Either way, she's getting the same information. So long story short, her grandmother probably threw the biggest fit out of everyone. <laughs> That's probably a moment I'll never forget. Um, and um, coaches and everything, it turned into a huge fight. And all the time, to- all the while, this little girl standing out there on an Island, watching this go down. And when it hit her, I could cry right now to and bawl my eyes out when I watched her face when she realized what was going on. The insensitivity that this world um, offers uh, children and adults with hearing technology, that's something I'm also extremely passionate about and just awareness of this and how typical and normal they are. Um, But that was, yeah, that was a day in history. Todd, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, so did she have to take everything off? No, we refused. No. I said we okay. won't finish the game if that's what's going to happen. And um, the coaches basically said we had to. They actually brought in a director of the tournament. That's, that's the level it went to. And we ended up. She struck more people out and won the game. So there you go, buddy. Just fire her up a little bit more and just. <laughs> just- Piss her off even more. And just That's right. Off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they haven't met her. She really doesn't take this. She doesn't like to be embarrassed. And I think that's something that they, they probably many of, of, of her hearing loss peers uh, share with her. Well, good for her. I, I do remember that. And, you know, a lot of families, a lot of parents talk about, you know, I want my, my son or daughter to play sports. You know, they want, you know, can they wear cochlear implants or hearing aids and play sports? Cause the child is interested in sport, those kind of thing. And then you're thinking, well, okay, you know, that's, you know, we can work that out. And 
Um, we have to be careful. You know, you won't get hit in the head, those kinds of things. And then at the same time, you, you don't really think about, well, is that going to be held against them mm-hmm. in some way, in some situation? You know, so it was it was really, I think, the first time when that when you were blogging about this that that I had ever heard of someone pointing out or or making a, you know, creating the situation around hearing technology as, as somehow giving her an advantage over other players or the other team. And I, I just thought that was fascinating that the coach was so desperate. That's what he was focusing on because she was doing so well. Well, it's ridiculous, really, yeah. when you think about it. And um, and that was the 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 gist of the um the blog was it like we we do need to remember that there needs to be an even playing field. And that's what I tell the teachers. That's what I tell um that, you know, we have a through the charity, I do a lot of work advocating for families and going in and helping them kind of have that that conversation with teachers and staff and um, preparing plans outside of what the what the audiologist or the speech therapist says, but it's how can we translate that to teachers between teacher and parent? And how do we advocate for these kids? And the big thing that I say is if honestly and truly simply put um it well first of all dr lund always says the best she's awesome she always says she says having a cochlear implant is not like putting glasses on first of all and that's a big distinction um and number two i will say if if lexi needed a ramp you would give her a ramp mm-hmm. i'm asking you to give her a ramp i'm not asking you to push her i'm not asking you to um you know hand her the keys to um, straight A's. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking you to give her a ramp and create an even playing field for her. That's it. Um, and so, um, it, it, what's, what's interesting to me too, is still under that same conversation is I've even recommended not to her current coaching staff there, but in the past, Hey, it might not be a bad idea to disclose that she has cochlear implants to the umpire ahead of the game. And here's why. I need him to give her more hand signals. She can't hear him behind the mask, behind the catcher, behind the this. Like she needs to know, do I, am I a three, two count or, you know, am I three, two, 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 one, two, what, like just hand signals. And I've had a little resistance to that because they think that the umpire will perceive that as them asking for her to have an advantage. I mean, I've heard it all. And I'm like, I just want him to give mm. some hand signals. That's it. You know, right. so um, we do uh, on the on the website, we have some really great PDFs for parents um, uh, that they can print off and um, hand to their coaches and and even umpires if they feel like it. I, I think I really think the coaches could do a better job if, if there anyone out there um, empower them to do a better job for the child because they're not um, Lexi's not she doesn't feel comfortable going up to an umpire and saying, hey, man, you know, right. Um, you know, I, yeah. So it, it really is our job as adults to have those conversations with adults. There was one time where we were in a tournament and she was having another great game. You know, pitchers, I, I heard once it's like you've got 20 percent of the time you're in your A game, game. Most of the time you're in your B game and, and another 20 percent in your in your C game. So I guess that's 20, 60, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so when you're in the A game, you just kind of ride the highs, <laughs> um, especially as a pitcher parent. And I remember she had this amazing game and this umpire. What was his, I don't, I know some people don't like the word disability, but um, his unique ability. He had, um, honestly, was he missing uh, some fingers? I cannot honestly remember exactly what his story was, but he picked up on her and he pulled her aside afterwards. And he said, you and I are going to be 
on ESPN one day, I'm going to be umping a game for you in a college and we're going to show the world what we can do. It was so cool. And I was like, so, so as much as we draw awareness to the people who don't get it right. Um, I think it's also a big deal to make, uh, to draw, I did a blog on it actually, um, to, mm-hmm. um, to draw some awareness to the people who do get it right. And if you're one of those people out there that are, um, you know, that, that help these kids, whether you're a teacher, an umpire, a coach or whatever, just be their guide, you know? Sure. Just be there for them and whatever they need. Talk to them about it. That's a that's a big one for me. Right. Just and and talk to them, acknowledge it, and and treat them equally like other kids. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. And don't shy away from it. Like 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 you said, treat them equally. But and and you don't have to raise like this. Like Lexi doesn't like to talk. Like she doesn't want it to be a thing. Right. Right. I mean, that's pretty common with teens with cochlear implants. But at the same time, let's not shy away from it either. I always tell them, like, be be you, you be you. And um, you have the same same abilities, everyone on this team. But you be you. You still need to see his face when he's talking. You still need them them to be aware that when it's pouring down rain, we really don't want to risk it. You're not going to put the aqua on. It's a little too heavy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so you might need to come off the mound for a little bit. Um, We had that happen. It was pouring. Every field was off. And I mean, I mean, it was it's like should not have been on the field dangerous for many reasons. And we had some issues with our technology after that. And I went up to the umpire and I'm like, look, I know you weren't aware of this. And then that's not your fault, but you've got to do better than that. Like now she's with that. She's down to one ear until we get home and get this swapped out. And so um, so anyway, um, yeah. So what does Lexi want to do? She wants to be uh she wants to go to college and and play softball. And then what else are she, is she interested in? She is, you know, career wise, she's kind of had a hodgepodge of ideas. She's really mm-hmm. has a, she has a strong business sense. Um, she, she really understands business concepts with ease. She loves, um, she's been in a lot of PT. Uh, she had some shoulder stuff and just being a pitcher and wear and tear in her body, basketball, swim. She does, she's done it all. Um, she really enjoys that environment and PT is another thing. She actually is now a trainer for the uh, football team at, at BA two, um, in the fall. So, um, she loves, um, she, she has mentioned some, some at, at some point, some, um, hearing speech and hearing, um, you know, uh, paths and, mm-hmm. uh, she's like, I don't know, you know, mom, but her real dream right now is to go to a big school. She's, she wants the big college experience. Um, we talk a lot about coming out debt-free, you know, so mm-hmm. whoever gives you, whoever, we also talk about having good resources there. Um, Ohio state is her number one school right now. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's our number one. Um, and she had a great camp. She went to their, um, their prospect camp recently and she had a good camp. Mm-hmm. Um, she likes Auburn. She likes, um, who else is, is big on her list right now. She's looked at Clemson, uh, just some big programs oh, and that's, yeah, that's um, it's really important though. She wants the whole college experience, and we do talk about like having people in place, not only for if you have technology needs, like Dr. Whitelaw and her team at Ohio State, but mm-hmm. also you know Dr. Whitelaw is such a great advocate for the students, um, and you know someone that can advocate for you, act act on Emily Lund's behalf. Um, for mm-hmm. her when she and her needs in a much bigger classroom than she's used to, uh, and and having the right roommates and having the right you know people in place um, to make sure that you're safe from point A to B, not being alone, those kind of things. So um, 
yeah. So we, you know, when we find that fit, I hope that we know it and I hope she, she gets to stay for four years, but she definitely wants to play softball at a big school. She does not, she, she said, if I can take them to a national championship, that is awesome. Cause it's always about pitching and having a strong, you know, staff around you. But she said, but I really want to enjoy the experience and have a great coach and, and hopefully I can help take them to a national championship. Um, but she said, if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be okay. I want to play. Yeah. I want to work really hard and play really hard and come out debt free and have make a lot of friends in the process. So, um, yeah. And I think she understands, we talk a lot about being a division one athlete and and how that plays out when you're looking for a job and how, how great that is when you have such a, so many leadership skills. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at now. Awesome. Well, I have no doubt that she will do all those things and more. So let's uh, let's switch gears. You mentioned pivoting earlier. Let's pivot and and talk about uh, your um, nonprofit work, and and so where did the spark to uh, to do that? Obviously because of Lexi, but uh, what what happened that you said, okay, I, I've got to get out there and and set up an organization, and we're going to have to do some things. So when okay, did that so happen? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is a life changing moment. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you this uh, disclaimer. If if you don't agree with uh, my faith, please don't take this as a faith thing. This is just the reality of how it happened. So I want Mm -hmm. people to know, like, I don't judge. I don't like, I, I love, we love all people and we are, we are, our charity is open to everyone and anyone of every faith. Um, every, every, everyone. So, um, we are, uh, I was honestly just troubled very troubled by the, um, the, the lack of awareness we had for hearing loss. Um, I started obviously for, for Lexi, just going without language. And mm-hmm. I would, the big thing that the name of the charity right now is songs for sound right. songs for sound started over uh, 11 years ago. That's when I started the charity. People don't, they think because we live in Nashville, that's the songs that's, I mean, that's kind of a cool tie in, you know, in the how, mm-hmm. how we've done fundraising, um, for hearing programs through the years, but we, uh, it really was that I was rocking her the whole time that they're saying she was fine. And I was singing her lullabies and I was, you know, doing all the things I had lost my mother to breast cancer one year before Lexi was born. My mom died on uh, December 22nd, um, in 2006 and Lexi was born on December 5th in 2007. So I'm rocking her this whole time and I'm trying to heal. Lexi was also the first granddaughter that she would have had. She had grandsons, my son and my two nephews, but she did not, she had no granddaughter. So it was all this kind of these special things that I could remember her and just kind of giggle and think about all the times that uh, all the things my mom would love about her, the first girl. Um, But the sad part and the sad reality of those moments with Lexi is that she never connected with me and I would sing to her and she would squirm and cry and turn. And she never put her head on my shoulder like babies do. And I couldn't understand it. And I would cry and just, I mean, just brokenhearted and thinking Mm -hmm. I did something wrong. And we really lacked that connection. Did we play together? Did we like, yes, of course. But that special moment between a parent and a child at the end of the day, when you're exhausted and you finally get to just be together, Mm -hmm. we didn't have that. And so fast forward after she was implanted you know, every night, you know, they're telling me, okay, you know, input, and we're learning, teaching her to hear, right? All, all ears first. And um, it was about a month into it when every night I was doing that same routine because I'm like, I know it's going to happen. And I know she can hear me now. And the moment she started to recognize that as music, when her head went on my shoulder, Todd, 
I mean, it was like time stood still. And that was our thing moving forward. And to watch her this day, she's obsessed with music. She loves singing. She loves um, TikTok. She loves, (laughs) I mean, she's just, I mean, music is so, and and her uncle, obviously many people don't know this or do know this, but I think a lot of people do. Her uncle is the lead singer of Rascal Flatts, Gary LaVox. And that's a big deal because music is a huge part of their life. And um, to watch her go to his first concert when she was little and her, you know, cochlear implants. And um, it's just my mother sang, she sang gospel music. She had a beautiful voice. And so it was so, I grew up with it um, in a small town in Ohio. And um, so to have, know that she was void of that was heartbreaking until I had, and then I had that moment and I'm like, what would life be like without that gift? Like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And that's when it hit me when it actually happened, when I, when she received that gift. And so fast forward, I'm like, you know, I'm asking God, like, what in the world? Like, what did I do? What did I do for her to deserve this? All these things, right. Are going through my head and how can I help people and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I, it, there's a story in John nine and, and, and Jesus and his disciples are going around again. This doesn't have to be your faith, but it's a cool story regardless. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, Hey, Jesus, what happened? They, they encounter a blind man and they say, what happened that this man was blind? And he said, um, they said, did his parents sin or did he sin? And he said, no, 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 no. He didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. His parents did nothing. It's so the miracles can be shown in his life. And it hit me. And I'm like, my calling in all of this is to give everybody that moment again and to help them get access to that moment. Weed through the, you know, get through the clutter and um, learn to navigate. No more about hearing health. No more about options know more how to get to the right audiologist, a good fit for them, the right devices, the right information, and from an empowered place that they're making the decision. It's They're not coerced into it. They're not like, that's not how this works, whether any health decision, you know, getting your, getting, getting your uh, mammogram every year or getting, you know, certain checks every year. That's a place that you have to do. You can't be, you can't rely on others to do this for you, but we can provide a framework which allows you to do it a little bit easier and with better information and more affordably. Um, and then, and then you're a lifetime, like you're then, how do we, how do we take care of you for the lifetime? How do we support that for a lifetime? Because it's not easy. And so I just reflected on our journey and I'm like, how, like, I'm a go-getter. My mom <laughs> was a single hardworking mom and I learned to work. And if I didn't have an answer to something, she would say, go, we had, we had the right, the encyclopedias, back in the day that we had. Oh, and we, and I, remember, I remember when the guy came to the door and she bought them and she said, these are for mm-hmm. you. She mm-hmm. said, she looked at me and she said, these are for you. And she would always say, go look it up. And I, I would say, well, what about this? Go look it up. And so my life was that. And mm-hmm. I thought there's so many people who didn't have that, who didn't right. have that, yeah. that same uh, parental upbringing or that the same access to encyclopedias. And so, um, so fast forward, all of those things, those emotions and those like just watching her open up the moment she could hear from hearing music to saying mama for the first time. Thank you. <laughs> she said me. Um, and then watching her just blossom into this, this little girl with such a cool story outside of her hearing loss and to watch what she did with that and to watch her overcome everything that she's overcome to communicate with the world around her. Uh, I was just super inspired to go out, help people have access to their best life because they can hear and communicate and to go tell and to be able to go out and, and, and be the miracles that they were made to be and change the world. And that's it in a nutshell. So that's really the story. 
Um, and then the songs and songs for sound was easy. Like how do we give people those moments with their family? How do we give people something as simple as a song and a lullaby? That's awesome. Thank that's, you. That's incredible. And so let's talk about some of the uh, things that you guys have been doing over these 11 years and some of the programs that have evolved. Um, so I'll, I'll just sort of throw that out and you can kind of go through the list and because because again, as we were talking about before we started, um, you guys are doing so much and it's not just for children. You're doing work with veterans as well and and doing all kinds of things. So I'll let you start where you want to start in terms of what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It's been um, 11 years of the most rewarding and challenging times of my life, mm -hmm. you know, like you and everyone else in the world, um, you know, COVID really threw us a monkey wrench. And so we pivoted and um, making changes and making um, and kind of changing our business model a little bit. But um, uh, so it started with, I saw a need like Vanderbilt, you know, so they gave us just such great, just such a great gift. And my first allegiance was to try to raise some money for the hearing programs across the country. And so it started with Vanderbilt and we did some mm -hmm. fundraising events for them. Um, ironically, the very first funding fundraising event that the, the um, Rob O'Neill, who was noted at um, killing uh, Osama bin Laden, he was actually there. This was after he had done that. No one had known about it. And mm -hmm. I mean, anyway, but that's how cool, like our first event was he came with um, our, our late board member, um, John Hardaway and um, you know, uh, uh, Lexi's uncle saying, and it was just a phenomenal experience to raise, raise support for people that need to hear. And well, that kind of grew this whole thing idea of, of taking and packaging Nashville, these songwriters that we offer and which is such a cool gift that most cities don't have access to and kind of creating this intimate moment of songwriters in Nashville singing and telling stories behind the songs and really bringing this mm -hmm. intimacy to both music and hearing health and hearing loss and support for it. So we did, gosh, I was up to like 10 events a year, but at each one of these big fundraising events for these programs from NYU to Vanderbilt to um, Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, Dr. Nancy Young, who is mm -hmm. an absolute, oh, one of my favorite people on the planet, on the planet. Sure. Um, so we were doing this, but everyone would stop me and say, can you help my father? Can you help my brother? It was primarily pediatric for pediatric programs. And we did good and we were cutting checks, but then the cost of, you know, the fundraising event, all of those things. And I'm, um, and, and I found out also, like, I had a lot to learn about running business on, if I'm being completely frank, I just had a lot to learn. The biggest burden though, through all of that, I was learning a lot. I was learning a lot about running a business. As we all know, we were, um, doing things better each year and each time, each event. But these these adults would say, can you help such and such? And they they need help with hearing loss. They need hearing aids. We've been to an audiologist. We feel like it's expensive or they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go, that kind of thing. So I said, um, I started really thinking about it and, and kind of doing just some soul searching of, am I, as you know, I am like kind of like a, I am very 30,000 feet, very global. I see things like the macro. I am like, how can I change every single person in this in this world? How can I change their life? <laughs> and I wish I was less of that, but I'm just not. It's how I'm wired. So I started just doing research on how do you do how, like how do you start a massive outreach program for mm -hmm. for in in the health sector? Ran into like just this whole idea of health experiences. Um, if you go to a conference, you know you see like the phone app or the 
the um, resound or the the Siemens experiences right there, the Starkey experience where they set up these big, you know, displays. Well, um, in, in the mobile outreach world, that's a thing, especially mm-hmm. in health. And there are certain companies that actually do it very well. So I started researching and then I was like, okay, who's the best company at it? Because I want to talk to that guy or that girl. So I found this company called ProAmerica Health and it's under this uh, larger company called TideSmart. Um, they're in the Northeast. And um, I called the vice president of the company and I was like, hey, so you look like you're really good at this. This is what I'm thinking. He, within an hour, he called me back. Kevin Joyce is his name. To this day, he is still an, a consultant for Songs for Sound. He helped me build this model and I need to give him credit because he's amazing. He um, actually has his own consulting firm now and still works with for America Health, which is a great company. But he said he had done a lot of outreach with like Lowe's. They do a mobile health program for their employees where they deploy um, mm-hmm. deploy experiences and vehicles and they test. He also, McKesson was one, is one of his biggest clients where, so he was instrumental in devising plans for COVID outreach. Um, first the testing of COVID and then the admin, administration of the vaccines. Um, so long story short, I talked to him in 2014 and I said, here's what I'm thinking. I think we need to do this. What you do, I want to do that for hearing loss. And I don't know where to begin. So we started talking and um, we worked with them and the first, so we launched our first mobile outreach program where uh, in 2015 and to date, um, even, even now um, to date, we have served over, we've done over 900 free community hearing health events. And I'll wow. tell you how that works over 900 across the country. Um, where we deploy an experience, which is a vehicle. I like to call it an experience because it's more than a clinic. It does; it's not clinicy at all. It's it's really designed to increase hearing health and awareness, to provide mm-hmm. access to a free screening, and then to us to help them navigate next steps. Right. So, mm-hmm. over 900 free hearing health events across the country with community partners. We have over 700 community partners, which are organizations in the country, events, YMCA's, boys and girls clubs, after after cancer, after breast cancer clinics, um, audiology clinics, um, uh, businesses. We love serving businesses, um, anyone and everyone who wants us to partner and help their members, their staff, their employees, their whatever. Um, to understand their hearing health, a lot of 55 plus communities, a lot of senior and and aging communities, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of hearing and health or uh, aging expos that we partner with. Um, So we go in and we become their actual hearing health partners, air shows. We've done over 50 to a hundred air shows. I couldn't even give you the count Um, where we go in and we provide free hearing protection. So um, we've served and we've provided over 31,000 free hearing screenings to people across the country. Yes. So that's the, that's it in a nutshell. To date, um, what that looks like is we deploy the mission. Um, and then we have a care team now over COVID when we were completely shut down, I started building out like, what does this look like? Well, the, then what, like, mm-hmm. yes, we give them digital resources. We give them a digital copy of their audiogram, their screening results. We give them digital information and emails that help walk them through what's local in their community and how to access an audiologist. But that wasn't good enough for me. It was mm-hmm. then one. They need a partner, someone to coach them and guide them and advocate. So we've been building out this care team where then they move in. And if they they um, they want help, um, then we walk them through what that looks like. The last part that we will launch is called our HOPE programs, which is after. So I've gotten a hearing aid or cochlear implant or whatever help that, that I need. Now what? 
how do I live with this? How do I be with like-minded people, whether it's virtually or in-person groups um, and, and continue to thrive with my technology through a lifetime? How do I afford this? How do I, um, you know, how do, I just need to be with some people every now and then like me so I can talk through this mm-hmm. and have a healthy perspective on how do I, I'm a teen. How do I advocate with my coach or my teacher? Well, I want to be with people like me. Um, one thing that I found through Lexi's story is um, I read a blog when she was little and it was about a, an adult who was implanted. And he said, I'm not really in the deaf culture and I'm not really in the hearing world. I'm bionic. And it stuck with me and I've watched her and she will tell you that's how she feels. She mm-hmm. feels like she connects mostly with people with devices and that's that that have a, that, that use spoken language and go to a mainstream school and things. So when she's with people like her, her people, we call it, she's like, I mean, she lights up. And so it's really putting people with their unique group and making sure they have a place, a safe place to kind of say, okay, whether I, whether I use sign or don't use sign or whatever, who's, who are my people um, that can help me navigate my walk in life? That's a little different than that, those, that, that group over there. Um, and so that's the hope program series and we're launching the teen programs this summer. Um, so anyway, so COVID really shut us down completely. There's a whole lot more that I could tell you, but I'm going to pause, um, some things that, that, oh, I will say this, one of the coolest parts, and I'm giving away a secret. This is a songs for sound trade secret. Do not steal it. Come to us and support and partner with us because we will make this a part of your process. Um, I had the pleasure of working with through the years, great companies, Phonak, Cochlear, uh, Amplifone. Um, you know, we have a, we, we've been working um, closely with, um, you know, Audigy and um, just some great, great, great groups. And our, and the point in those relationships now is to really help us access their clinicians. Mm-hmm. I believe in everyone having an audiologist. I love audiologists. And so we want to partner with the groups that can get us to the right clinic. So then we can connect our, all of our champions is what we call those people we help. We can connect them to the right clinic for them. I have seen where, like, for example, a man and uh, a 90 year old man that we have helped um, was in, was not wearing his hearing aids. They were fine. He just w- had an aversion to them. Didn't really know how to use them well. Um mm-hmm. And his wife came to me, actually his son, who was at one of our um, veterans events, fundraising events. And she said, he, he, he connected me to the wife and she said, honey, she said, he just, I just don't feel like we're, he's been with the right person. And I said, I got you. He was a retired doctor, veteran, whatever. And so I already knew Dr. Geneva Coe in Mount Juliet, Tennessee was his guy, connected mm-hmm. them. She called me crying like that was, he didn't even sell her hearing aids. He, he helped him. Um, he cleaned his, his current hearing aids. He said, we're going to need to get you a set, but for now, let's get you comfortable with what you have. He knew the trust factor right there was very fragile. He knew right. that there wasn't a lot of trust already. So for me, it's also about having so many great partner clinics so that we can connect people with the right match for them. Um, and so anyway, so through the process of working with great companies, though, I met a couple people, Bill Dickinson, everybody knows, one of my dear friends, um, started mm-hmm. a great company. And then Elizabeth Thompson, who is now uh, a clinician uh, back in Indiana, and she, they both worked for Phonak at the time. And we met and I said, guys, I feel like we have to go beyond the test. So we started we building out what does this look like when we find, I said, I want to provide the clinicians with more than just this hearing screening. I want them when they walk in that door. I want them to know, like, let's cut through the chase, cut to the chase of who am I 
what is their affordability? Like, I don't, if they tell me I can only, if my budget can only afford up to 2,500 and I have a moderate hearing loss, that tells me, but I also believe that I have, I need help. So we ask these series of questions that kind of pre-qualify where they're at in a different level when they enter into our care team. So we know our conversations, we might need to nurture them a little bit more. Or they might be ready to go. And when they walk into that clinic, we have provided that clinician with a a great email and a letter that tells them everything they need to know about them. So they walk in and those those audiologists will call me and they're like, I just saved 30 minutes of my practice time because I was able to form my con like I already knew about them. So I I I pre-made my conversation with them in my mind before I even met them. Like I formed Mm -hmm. that that conversation, I walked in, they were like shocked that the champion was like, Oh my gosh, how do you, how do you, you know, cause they didn't even remember answering some of those questions. Right. So this is super intentional and my care team is, is very trained and we like, it is not about rushing people through. It is about creating lifetime relationships between that audiologist and our champion. And when they get there, the champion is informed the clinician is informed and they're making much more meaningful relationships and they're saving time and money. So that's it. And that's why we need support quite honestly, is because we're trying to do this and it's been very hard after COVID, very difficult. Fundraising is is down across the board. Um, But we're able, if we can grow and continue to grow this thing that we do and we get to do it from such a place of goodness and hope and nonprofit and charity and feel good um, that we're all partnering in something bigger and we're all part of this thing. Um, uh, the, the, we, that is my goal is to completely transform the industry by bringing everyone in and, and doing it from, differently. Um, but from a really good place where we can all feel really good about it. Well, I think it was what Steve Jobs that has the quote about, uh, you know, it's the crazy ones who think, um, they can change the world, but those are the people who actually end up changing the world. <laughs> and so, I'm <laughs> not calling you crazy at all. No, I I'm just saying <laughs> you have to believe that you can change the world or you don't do it, you know? So I think uh, you are someone who, who, through personal experience with your daughter, has taken that experience and, and, and it's grown and you've seen her needs, but also other needs. And and it's just inspiring to see what you've done with Songs for Sound and how that has just evolved in so many different ways. And and I think you are changing hearing healthcare. And and I think that is just a phenomenal thing to do. Um thank you so much. And so and as are you. I mean, look at you, the platform you're giving people like you know, me or Carrie Spangler, or, you know, I mean, just the things that you're doing to help us, like, if we could all, I think that's the thing, know our niche, you know, know your lane, mm-hmm. and stay there and, um, and maximize it. And I cannot thank you enough for saying that, though, last night, my fiance and I were talking, someone had called me and actually asked to hire me. And he was like, and I said, you know, the best part of that conversation was, is that I, I said, when I gave them hope with their business, um, I said, it reminded me, that I'm actually kind of good at this sometimes, you know? And he said, Jamie, he said, Jason said, Jamie, look at what you've done for 11 years. And I don't look at that enough. And I don't, I'm not patting myself on the back. I promise because I wake up feeling like not enough. I've not done enough. I've not, I mean, you know, we're in Jamaica, but we haven't been since COVID. 
We're going back. I'll touch on that in a second before we close because it's amazing. We do the kids camp. We do all these things. But number one, we are, I mean, I will say this, you guys give to nonprofits, like, like just do it. Even if it's a, a lot less than what you were able to before, don't cut us out because we're hurting. I'm on a non a hearing health nonprofit little consortium group that we meet once a month. And mm-hmm. it's the same with all of us. We're hurting. Um, and so just try to try to give. And, um, and number two, whatever it is that you do great. Just do it. Continue to do it great. And remember how valuable you are because Lexi's life without you, the use of the world, Todd, without Emily Lunds, Ginger Jones, uh, uh, the Vanderbilts, um, Dr. Haynes, um, Kathy Hayes, our audiologist, um, uh, Tracy Berger, who is her audiologist now um, out at, at TCU with Emily Lund, like all these people who have contributed so great, Cochlear Americas, Medel, Advanced Bionics, mm-hmm. all the hearing manufacturers, all of them, those people down to the person that puts that device in a box. Like if that's your lane, whether it's now or forever, that's an important lane. And without all mm-hmm. of us doing these little pieces, none of this works. And so I just want to be one small, one small connector from I need help to where do I go for help? Um, and that, you know, that's just my calling. So thank you for all that you do. And for also just giving me a pat on the back today. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate those words, but you are, you are someone who, who makes me and, and others want to be better and to do better. And, uh, and so um, you've, you've inspired me today. And I, I hope anyone who listens to this will feel inspired and go out and maybe be in touch with you to do some uh, help you or to give money uh, or to do something in their community that will move the move us forward in terms of hearing health care. Well, well, and we are, this is the new model. Um, and I'll leave you with also Jamaica because it is cool. The new model that we've, we've released since COVID is that we want to go out and we want to partner with um, when we host our events in each, and, and again, that could look like a 55 plus event that we have a great relationship with, or it could be at an air show where you're getting like, uh, either way, we have a promotional strategy on the weekends. We go out and we do huge events, big events, big community events. Like I said, the air shows, which could have up to a million people. Um, and wow. we have a lot of people go through and get their screening. On the flip side, we have during the week, we partner with those community stops. So our now new model is to go out and say, hey, clinics, we want to partner with you. Make a modest donation to us. Come out and serve because we need you there. We need you meeting those people. And then we will refer those to our partner clinics in the area. That's how this goes. And then so we can keep doing what we're doing and we're helping you and we will feed you with people that want and need help. And that's how we have to keep our audiologists in business, period. Like they have to make money. They're running businesses. And so, um, so this is, this is, and then we're engaging people in like, you're, you're engaged in your community and you're showing your face as, as someone who's doing really good work. And it's just, I mean, this is how the world works. And so that's, that's the big thing there. The second thing that we didn't talk about today was the Jamaica missions. We have served them for six years. COVID shut us down. Um, I have a board member, Charlene, um, who is a native Jamaican, and she's an audiologist, a cochlear implant audiologist, um, and she has a vested interest in Jamaica. So for years, we've gone and we've done the whole hearing aids. You know, they've never had a hearing test. They're a deaf school. Hearing Mm -hmm. aids help them. They're so poor. It's the saddest thing. We buy them groceries. We do whatever. We've taught them to talk but it's not sustainable until we, we raise awareness for clinicians and th- such on the Island. There's one audiologist on the Island and she's going to retire in the whole country. 
Dr. Mm-hmm. Beavers. So we're working with her with a succession plan, which includes um, preparing a demography, demography report. We are trying to raise $5,000 for that. That report will be turned into meetings with the government in October. In October, then we go in and we advocate for a hearing health thing with the government. We want to make sure that we are generating awareness and creating awareness campaigns, all, not only for hearing loss and how to get help, but for really, um, first and foremost, building awareness for the industry audiologists, speech therapists, et cetera, deaf education. And then from that, um, uh, doing some partnering with um, groups in the United States to do training, audiology, obviously, and then growing and in, in, in initially um, early intervention, obviously, a screening programs for infants. So that's basically modeling what we've done in the United States, but taking it to Jamaica and obviously with some modifications, but they have no hearing healthcare system. And it is sad. The school reached out to us because they're like, we teach them a trade. We teach them everything. And then at 18, when they leave us, they can't communicate with the world around them. Like they know how to sign. Mm -hmm. So they're back on the streets. They're dying. They're, um, uh, you know, uh, in prostitution. They're whatever just to survive. And it when you watch these kids that you've you've been visiting for six years go off and that happened, like I I can't sleep at night not doing something. So that's our initial international model. And then we want to obviously recreate that in other countries, other developing nations. So um, if interested in that, that's a huge opportunity too. We will be going back um, in, in October, um, Charlene and I. So um, yeah, keep us in your prayers and, um, you know, songsforsound.org. Um, some new things coming, Todd, that we'll have to regroup because it's it's kind of big. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and I hope to, next time we meet, I'll be able to tell you some cool stuff coming. But thanks well. so much for having me. It's been wonderful, and and definitely let's uh, let's plan on getting together and and keeping everyone informed of what you're doing. And um, I can I can break the news. I can have an exclusive when oh, this next big thing happens. You're gonna love it. You're going <laughs> to love it. It's gonna be so. Yeah, I can't wait to tell. You. I will. I'm gonna tell you first. Okay. Good. Okay. Right. Well, thank you, Jamie, and and good luck with everything that you're doing, and um, God bless. Thank you. And God bless you. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Jamie, for joining me on the podcast. I'm always amazed at what you have accomplished and what you continue to accomplish. And I just really support everything that you're doing. And those of you who are listening would like to support what Jamie is doing and some of her projects and programs, go to songsforsound.org. And check out what she's doing. You can reach Jamie through the website. And I'm sure she would love to hear from you and see how you can be involved or support all of these different things that she's doing. So thanks again, Jamie, and good luck. And and I hope you continue to have all the success that you've been having. And with that, I'll be back in another two weeks with another episode of The Listening Brain. Until then, please share this podcast with other people who might be interested in hearing loss. Please, we're trying to get more people to listen to this podcast. So please share it. And you can also subscribe and rate it and review it and follow all those things. That also helps to spread the message or the spread of the word about this podcast the listening brain. So thank you for doing that and helping me create more awareness about hearing loss and what's possible today 
for children and families and adults with hearing loss. So I really appreciate that. And again, until next time, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.